Good morning. Uh, let's start today's service by singing Come Let Us Worship in Babylon. Come let us your throne of majesty and grace, grateful for the opportunity that we have to come together freely to assemble, to worship you, to learn about you, to find a way to better reflect your glory and your love so that others around us may see you living in us. Father, we have several that have been added to the, the prayer list that we want to specifically lift, lift up to you this morning. We have Chris Doris, Rita Smith, Plage Kloss, Marie Woodruff, William Sands, Mitzi, Barry Rosie, and Karen Hausbar. We ask that you be with these folks. Some have had some good recoveries. A few have COVID. Others are having various surgeries and medical issues that are, that are preventing them from living life to its fullest. And Father, we ask that you be with those folks and uh, as they're seeking care, be with the physicians, nurses, and doctors that are attending to them. Father, we have many others on the list that are also uh, got various issues that they're working through and we ask that you continue to be with those that are just having medical issues or cancer concerns um, and for those that are having recovery father we offer a prayer of thanksgiving for those folks father we also want to lift up our men and women overseas that are serving to protect and defend our nation we ask that you you be with them and keep them safe as they're embroiled in conflicts around the world and in places that are far more dangerous than being here at home we just ask that you help the conflicts around the world abate and that those service men and women may be able to return home to their families. Fathers, we ask that you, you be with, with each of us. Allow us to keep the right perspective and ensure that we don't backslide and that we aren't being poor examples out in the world. We just ask that you always help us correct those mistakes that we make and then really be the, the view that you're looking for from us and, show, and be able to show grace not only to each other but to others that are not of the family. Father, as always, we ask that you keep our hearts and minds open as we are going to be hearing another lesson this morning. May we take what we are going to learn, apply it to our lives to better ourselves for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The song before the Lord's Supper is He Paid a Debt. So if you're able, please stand. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt, nothing. I need someone to wash my sins away. 
favorite passages in the Bible comes from Philippians 2 in verses 3 and 4. Paul tells the church in Philippi, he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And a lot of times as we, we read this verse and think about this, this is kind of where we stop. Um, as, as it continues, it starts talking about Jesus. But Paul's thoughts are really to be continuous. He basically tells us that Jesus serves as a role model for us for this very thing, that we're to look out for others' personal interests over our, our own interests. Look, look at what he says. In verse 5, he says, Have this attitude, which he's just talking about that. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So Jesus, he looked at basically us and saw us in great, great need. And he decided to empty himself and do what it took to allow us to have a relationship with his father and him as well. And he went to the cross for us. So if we would, and he wants us also to have that attitude uh, that he had and what he did in going to the cross for the sake of others. So this morning, as we think of Jesus going to the cross for us, remember that body of life that he gave up himself for us to help establish that relationship with our Father. Join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for thy Son. We're thankful for, that you would look down upon us and see us in great need. We're thankful for the plan of sending thy Son to, to be our Savior, our Redeemer. Uh, and we're just so thankful for his willingness to go to the cross. Lord, we're sorry that it has to be such a way. But Lord, we also are so joyous that you would love us so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, the cross has always been one of those things that's held a lot of tension for me because like in my prayer, because of what I've done and what Jesus had to do, I do, I feel deep sorrow. But at the same time, I feel great joy because of what God accomplished through Jesus. And the blood itself, the forgiveness that comes through what Jesus did for us, it's such a blessing. Uh, and we're just thankful, so thankful that, that God would do that for us and that, and that Jesus was willing to do it. Um, obviously, that was a very tough thing because we see him in the garden wanting that cup to pass, but he was willing to do it for us and because what God needed him to do. Let us continue in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, 
We're thankful for that Jesus shed his blood for us. We're thankful that we have the opportunity to be redeemed, to have our sins forgiven. Lord, we are yours. We're your possession because of the redemption that we have through the blood of Jesus as it left his body on that cross. We're so thankful for the, the holiness that Jesus' blood can give us, and we pray that you'll help us always to keep that precious in our sight. And it's his name we pray. Amen. That concludes the memorial to our Lord and Savior. At this time, we'll take the opportunity to give thanks for our blessings. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the blessings you give us. We are a blessed people, thanks to you, Father. We especially want to thank you for your Son, for him coming to the earth and dying on our behalf. Now, Father, we thank you for this beautiful country we live in. We thank you for this congregation we have with all the loving Christians. Now, Father, as we get ready to return a portion of those blessings that you give us, we ask that you be with those that oversee these funds, that they may be used to further your kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The song before the lesson is My Hope is Built. My hope is Since that may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse.
those of our regular members, there are no groceries up here. It's not because they got so many that it got over my head. Uh, I had the stool under the pulpit just in case it came close. But man, you did well. We went from this to this because of you. Uh, we have enough I, to give away food all through the month of December because of what you did. And uh, thank you. Your generosity at times overwhelms me. That's the backup flow. That means you've given more than we'll need for the month of December. Uh, we once in a while go over the top of people. We set up for 110 and we end up with 130 sometimes. Uh, even some people on bicycles who stop by. So we, could, we can use every can and every box. This Wednesday night, we're going to start on my favorite prophet, by far, Elijah. So if you want to get on the, the beginning of a study, uh, you could either do it by being online or being here. I'd rather you be here so we can talk about it. But that begins this Wednesday night. I found this in a little newspaper while we were in Pennsylvania. I like what it said, so uh, I brought it for y'all. A motorcycle cop stopped a car and pulled out his book. I clocked you at 75 miles per hour, he said. The lady in the passenger seat cackled gleefully. Just give him a ticket, officer, she said. Serves him right. He's a reckless, inconsiderate, and dangerous man to be behind the wheel. The cop looked at the man and said, your wife? And the driver nodded. The officer snapped shut his book and added, drive on, brother. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> We're in the book of Romans. Studying the character of God this morning. Isaac. Very good job, my man. Very good job. And Keith's leading the singing, and he's right on tune. Both of these people, uh, give a pat on the back when you see them. Tell them. They appreciate their efforts. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodly, uh, against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For although they knew God, 
They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. A.W. Tozer is a well-known Christian writer. And he says this, what comes into the mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us for we tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. Would you bow with me, please? Father, thank you for this day and this opportunity to, to be here with each other. Thank you for making this a loving congregation. And I ask that you cause that love to grow. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's just two points in this scripture. That's all I'm going to make. Two simple points and we'll be done. Point one. You can know God. God's done things that whenever you get a picture of who he is and you grab hold of what he's done through his prophets and, and people, when he, you look at the Bible as it's written down, you can know who God is. He's made it clear according to the text. But there's a flip side to that coin. If you choose, you won't know him at all. It's a matter of choice. So he writes, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. If you underline things in your Bible, underline verse 19 and verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. If you don't know who God is, it's not because God hasn't given you any hints. It's not because he's hiding from you or, or he chooses not to show up. It's because of what you want God to be. He uses something very similar, all that he's created. So today I sort of want to just go over it quickly. Not too quickly. After all, I am a preacher, and we're not on the quick wagon, usually. 
But I want you to see what he's talking about. So, we're going to talk about big things. The cosmological argument. The cosmological argument sits back and says, everything in the world has to have a cause. Then there must be a cause that brings this world into existence. That's simply saying that you look at what Jesus told you to look at back in Matthew, whenever he said to, to look at the stars and to to look at the flowers and to look at the birds and to look at everything that's there. The cosmological argument says they didn't just happen. It just didn't happen to have flowers and birds and animals and all that. It didn't happen that way. The modern argument against this is called the Big Bang. Now the Big Bang says literally there was nothing absolutely nothing out there. And in that emptiness, somebody or something, bang. And when the bang happens, it started spewing out a bunch of stuff that didn't exist according to the original theory. It was actually the bang that caused it. Now, there are a lot of problems here, but my mind doesn't go deep, so you can rest assured. If nothing existed, what caused the bang? If things just don't happen, if there was nothing out there to cause the bang, what caused it? I like one author who wrote, he didn't have anything against the Big Bang because a Big Bang means there's a Big Banger. And that's proof of God. Okay, I can, I can go there. But the Big Banger, whoever he is, has got to put up with a, a second law that there's an order in the universe. If you have ever gotten lost out on a body of water, and you are a good sailor, you know where the North Star is, and you can tell which direction's home and which direction isn't home. Uh, my dad had a little speedboat, my dad and uncle together, and we used to go fishing at night, and we were constantly looking for that star. We would go out to fish, and we wouldn't catch any fish, and after about three hours, we'd look for the star, so we knew where we had drifted, and the fact that we were alone out there, and we didn't want to stay. There are things like that, the stars, that can tell you when to plant crops. My grandmother always had a nice garden, because she says, the stars will tell you as they come out earlier, that it's going to get cold, and it's not time to plant the crops. And then when the days get longer, it's time to plant the crops. She had a whole list of these things. 
But what he's saying is, there's that much order in the universe, that much that holds steady and does not change, to say it happened by accident because of a big bang. Physics helps us. Science isn't to be thrown aside. Physics helps us in seeing God. Today we've advanced a long way, and physics teaches us that there are a lot of factors that must come together to coalesce. There's a matter of the planets, the stars, organic light, the speed of light, the gravitational constant, the strength of all the strong and weak nuclear forces, all these factors have to fall into exactly the right place. Now, if that bothers you, that's okay. He used a couple examples that don't bother me. When you put a man on top of a rocket here, it means something. If you put people at these places and they all set their dials to the right things, you're in good shape. But what if two set it the wrong thing? According to the author, you risk either losing the astronaut or losing the rocket. So if it takes that kind of exactness that these guys know what they're doing whenever they're in, this is mission control, by the way, whenever they're in mission control, then we're doing better. There are lots of controls that have to be between this number and the next number or we don't have a successful launch. There are a lot of numbers that if they weren't exact, we would not have a solar system. He uses this analogy, and I love the analogy. John Leslie, PhD, says it's supposed you're sentenced to death. You all see this on the eye. I've been telling women that Sue did it. And the ladies, guys, unify against us. Because they said, if Sue hit you there, you deserved it. So it doesn't work for us to blame our wives. It just doesn't work. You've got a guy that has done something so wrong, and he decides he wants to be executed by firing squad. They get... 100 of the best sharpshooters in the world. They stand six feet away from the victim. And they say, ready, aim, fire. And they look out and the man who is tied up so he can't move has been missed by all 100. How do you explain that? Since I have allergies, this is what came to my mind. All 100 
had an allergy to dust. And when they yelled fire, there was a brief upwind, and they all breathed in the dust, and all had to sneeze at the same time, so they all missed. Well, it, it got another thing. All 100 have to be breathing at the same time, so that little one dust didn't get in everybody's nose. It has to come at the same time. And you almost have to come down to the guy who was going to get shot knows somebody who paid off 100 crack marksmen. He says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. What do you do if you have a God that has set a rule or set a principle and you don't want to follow it? You can have this defiant attitude, I'm going to do it anyway, get out of my way, which brings a lot of guilt, or you can say, there isn't a God. So we have no rule. Or the rules we make up go in accordance with what we want. While in Pittsburgh, I had a mother and father who came to me and said, can you have our seven-year-old adopted to somebody else? Everybody with seven kids, a seven-year-old are going, yeah, that's a good question. And I said, what's happening? And they said, he comes through the living room and yells at the top of his voice unless his show is on. He plans the diet for each of us, and we haven't eaten anything but macaroni and cheese for a month and a half now. He won't do anything we asked. He won't go anywhere that we go. So we are just sort of in prison. And he put us there. And I said, no, he didn't put you there. <laughs> Your parenting put you there. You could make a rule. I will eat macaroni and cheese for one night. And then we've got to change. You can make a rule. You don't yell, come in yelling into the living room. You can make that rule. You can make the rule that mom and dad determine what is right in that home. And you know what they told me? He'll throw a fit. I said, then make a rule that there are, there's no fit 
throwing in your family. But don't let him be boss. It ruins the family. You're the adults. You've lived the lives. You know why the rules are there. Give him that advantage. So that he knows right and wrong. And his wants are not the thing that rules where the household goes. We had three more sessions just to set up rules for this seven-year-old. The next session, they thought I was a miracle worker. That happens sometimes when you're a counselor. We had a man that retired, and he would go around with his wife, and he would say, as she cleaned, you missed a spot. When was the last time you dusted these shelves? They looked dusty to me. And she says, we've been together for 50, almost 50 years, and I want to kill him. I said, George, what would you do before you retired? He said, oh, I played on a golf team for a while. I said, George, here's your assignment. Play golf three times a week. And she came in, and she says, I don't know how much we owe you, but it's not too much. She was happy once we got him out of the house. That's miracle working when you're counselors. Over and over and over, we get comments from astrophysicists like Paul Davies. Is nature is so clever as to exploit mechanism that amazes us with their ingenuity? Is that not persuasive evidence for the existence of intelligent design behind the universe? If the finest minds in the world cannot unravel what happened and is happening, could it be just a mindless accident or blind chance? Or is there an eternal force behind it? That's good. There's an eternal force behind it. Some people don't like God's rules. They're like the household with the seven-year-old running around it. God said, don't do that. And they don't like that. There are some times that people are are inconvenienced by Christianity. They want to live a little different than God wants them to live. God sent Jesus to let you know this isn't something that he devised to hurt you. This is something that he devised because he loves you that much. So if you have it come to the place where you want to follow Jesus, or if you haven't taken him seriously, let me ask you why not. If you need to study 
a little bit about Jesus. We have, we have four elders, two preachers, and a bunch of religious scholars would love to help you. The way you get the salvation that Christ brought is by repenting of your sins and being baptized for the remission of those sins. If you've once done that and you've forgotten him who loves you so much that he would do anything, even send his only son to die, then this could be your moment too. If there's a way we can help you to get right with Christ, won't you come? Why together we stand and sing. Mike, we appreciate each of you being here this morning. Uh, we're going to close with a few announcements. First of all, the Christmas party for the Mount Dora Christian Home will be on December 18th over on the campus. All the names that we had for gifts have been picked up, and we thank you for that. As you bring in the gifts, please remember to wrap them individually and then put them in a bag. It's easier to carry them over there that way and to keep them separated. Also remember to put the, the receipts in the envelopes and return them with the gifts. If you have questions about any of this, please see Camille Hunter. Soon we'll be resuming our children's church in the, in the next few weeks, and if you are willing to help with that, please see Sue Shoemate. If you would like to be a part of the senior adult white elephant lunch that's gonna take place in December, and the date will be chosen sooner. Uh, please let Sue know that you want to be a part of that. Have some updates on some of our sick. Rita Smith let us know the doctors think that her leg is healing, 
but she also has some other problems that she's asking your prayers for. Paige Klaus is recovering from knee surgery this past week. Marie Woodruff is still dealing with some, several health problems uh, related to her fall last month. Nora Hornberger will be uh, seeing an orthopedic doctor soon to try to determine why she's having some problems with her arm. She's asked for your prayers. Uh, Chris Doris will be seeing a doctor as well for the pain in his hand. Please pray for all these as well as all those on your sick list in your bulletin and any you may know about. Thank you. Uh, that's good. I'm glad you reminded me. Mitzi Robinson will have surgery again in New Orleans on December 3rd. Is that correct? Yeah. Please keep her in your prayers. If you're able to, please stand. In camp, the long the hills of life, the Christian soldiers rise and rest the battle where the night shall fail the glowing stars against the foe in bells below. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, again, Father, we are so thankful that we're able to come here today to worship you. We pray, Father, that the singing and the, and the lesson and everything's been in harmony with your will and pleasing in your sight. We ask you, Father, that you forgive us of our sins and go with us to our places. Be with us this week and let us Set the example that people will know that we love you and want to serve you daily. We ask you now to just protect us all and keep us healthy and safe until we meet again in our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.